0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Benjamin Cook. I'm one of the programmers of the Experimenter Strand at the festival. Um, welcome to this, the first ex- Experimenter Salon of this festival, um, supported by Arts Council England. Thanks to them. Um, so i guess the concept for this particular salon is um a kind of a kind of filmmaker encounter really obviously we have lots of different filmmakers and films coming from lots of different places and um I thought it would be an interesting idea uh, this year uh, because we're bringing, we're we're sort of making a context and bringing people into it, was to kind of have a more in-depth encounter with two two filmmakers that actually hadn't met before <laughs> or knew each other or knew anything about their work, um, and just to to kind of think about um, each other's work and you know by extension to think about the kind of area in which we work and perhaps the similarities and differences in the kind of context. In, in which you're both working so um, what we're going to do first to sort of set the scene is uh, show a couple of films um, so I didn't actually introduce them <laughs> no, so we've got chef um, uh, Happy Carl here who's, who's who's come from the, the US and um, Anne-Marie Copestake who's come from Glasgow um, so we're going to show uh, we're going to show uh, a film by each of them. Uh, they both are showing uh, sort of premiering, actually world premiering new films in the festival. shabhavi has got a film uh, hijacked, which is showing in a program today at one one thirty. Um, okay, <laughs> um, and uh, Amory's film, A Blemish Code, showed uh, on Friday in the festival, and uh, it's a really amazing film. So I you need to, you know, I really, really recommend that you try and capture that somehow and hopefully there'll be more screenings soon. So, could I ask you first, both, to introduce what we're going to see?
2: Um, yeah, sure. Um, um, I guess I'm showing um, a, a film called Night Noon. It's uh, it's ten minutes, so we're going to watch the whole thing. Um, it's a film we actually wa- uh, was screened at London Film Festival two years ago. And, um... It's shot in california uh, uh the u s side and the Mexican side, so it's on that coast um and I chose that landscape because um it's a landscape that's that's already been in cinema a lot in different ways um so because it's close to l a and a lot of Hollywood films have used it to be you know out space or war zones or um uh, the Sahara, <laughs> but it's all you know this this California landscape. Um, so, and and uh, there are two animal actors in it. I'm um, not doing very good. <laughs> um, so anyway, let let it unfold and then we can talk about it. But that maybe that's the context I can give to okay. the piece. All right,
3: fantastic. Thank
1: you. And marie
3: I'm showing a film called. Well, I'm showing uh, ten minutes of a film called And Under That. And I chose it because um, the film which uh, showed on Friday um, deals with the legacy of an artist, so somebody looking back on a career, and un- under that is also dealing with le- women's legacies. And so I thought it would be quite a good link to what I've shown on Friday. So although it's an older work it's from 2012, and um, I couldn't decide whether the first ten minutes or the last ten minutes would be the one. So I. In the end, file my Dropbox folder was full, and by that time, I'd only uploaded the last ten minutes, so that shows it for us. <laughs> but so it's the last ten minutes um, of the film, so I know that there's a bit missing. But um, I can talk, I can elaborate on it and talk about it if anyone's curious about that film a bit more.
1: I had. Um... I had some questions to start us off, but um, Anne Marie sort of trumped that yesterday with a with a really good um, potential question that I thought would be a good one to start with. <laughs> um, but perhaps you should kind of explain who, where that question comes from.
3: Because yeah, uh, the um, I did a series of recordings of um, interviews between artists as a project, and um, it was a bit like matching people which was a very nice thing to do, and the energy in the room was very um, powerful as well. And this particular match was between two very strong um, and strong-willed artists, Kathy Wilkes and Ellen Cantor. And um, I knew that it would be different to all the other interviews, and they were. They turned out to be a very good match, and Kathy's first question was, um, what's the difference between the world outside, the world we live in, and the world in your work? which um, when I saw links to Shambhavi's work, uh, for the, I hadn't known Shambhavi and I hadn't <laughs> known your work, mm-hmm. and I saw, I was watching your files, and I thought about this question a lot because mm-hmm. it seemed to be particularly pertinent mm-hmm. in relation to um, the clips that you sent
2: us. Um,
1: would it be okay
2: to <laughs> talk about the relationship between the outside and the inside? world? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little different than the difference. I mean, I'm not sure the difference, but I can think, I can say, So of course, my work um, uh, really is all about place and space and geographies and that kind of thing. Um, And so this particular one, I can say specifically, like I said, I was interested in this um, landscape because it's already been cast in cinema. And so it has a certain kind of unfamiliarity, but also maybe a kind of recognizability. Even if we don't know what it is, we may have seen it somewhere. And so one of the things that's interesting, and I've worked with found footage too, and there's different strategies for this, but I've I've been sort of interested in excavating spaces and places like this that I think have a connection to cinema and the way that they've circulated, but then thinking about bringing them back into into cinema in a new way. So that's one way to think about it. And then... um, I thought of two ways to answer your question, but I forgot the second one. Um, it's related to this, though. It, the, the, it's related to what I said earlier, this idea that you have landscapes also that that have had their own life in circulation. And then once you bring them back into film, you're kind of adding to that. Mm. Um, so, So it sort of feels like in relationship like like making the film feels like continuing that relationship or elaborating it or something like that. A relationship that's all already exists between the film world and the outside world. You're building <laughs> Yes, building on that or working in that space.
1: So you feel um with Night Noon that it was um it was kind of um uh kind of inserting Inserting into that kind of iconography, you know, the yes. iconography of yeah. that of that space. So in yeah. a way, there's this call back to film, yeah. some kind of film history.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and feels like for found footage work to I me, mean, like the way I think about found footage. For me, the use of the parrot and the dog is also related to that, because oh. they they're sort of like uh parrot. You know, parrots are strange. You see, there's all these YouTube videos of parrots, you know, you see them all over all these strange places in the world. But it's not clear. I mean, they they do come from somewhere, but they've almost become sort of generic or hard to figure out where they you know, what what, what kind of and dogs are similar. I mean, at this point they're bred and so they sort of like, um as animal actors, they kind of hang in the space between <coughs> natural and somehow mediated through humans or something like that and then i was thinking about the landscapes being like that as having lived in cinema so sort of creating the space where there are no humans but the human hand is somehow um there's
1: a nice kind of micro narrative, <laughs> sort of micro narrative between between the animals so it's specifically yeah. dogs and par- dogs and parrots well
2: but then i was also thinking about you know the dog barking and then the parrot miming the dog so yeah. they have this little Exchange or something. W- would a parrot be there? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Except it could. So be, you're you know... changing the rules as well. <laughs> well, I mean, but 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 I'm also sort of displaced in that in that um, in that landscape. So it's it's all displaced encounters in in a sense, mm-hmm. um, and and the landscape itself is already displaced, right? Because it's been in film and it's been in the same. That desert has been in Star Wars and it's been in uh, I don't know like Really famous films, you know, like uh, and in fact now I it was in the latest in the most one of the most recent um, not uh, the the second to the most recent Star uh, Star Wars film, and now because I shot it I recognize it I see it, it's it's very recognizable because it has um, these kind of rocky mountains at the back kind of bluish rocky mountains and then there's this patch of desert, but it's the same one it's in Death Valley it keeps appearing over and over again.
1: But do you think that's you, is this this thing about um, re-representation is that the attraction to landscape in your in your work then you I know think, so in a way it's about yeah. f- some kind of film you're you're like speaking to a kind of film culture yeah do you feel like that's an important part of your work that kind of self-conscious reflexivity yeah
2: I mean it's it's not. It's not, I mean, it's important as in it's what motivates me or attracts me to the landscapes. Yeah. Maybe not that I absolutely need people to be able to make that interpretation from the work, if that makes but sense. Just kind of sense.
1: this kind of, uh, yeah, kind of shared cultural sense of, yeah. of familiarity or yeah. something like that. But yeah. that would be that would be a motivation in terms of, you know, so talking about the worlds, you know, the difference between the worlds, you know, in, in, in a way you're coming back to a, a, a cinematic work, you know, yes. you're, you're con- you know, you're staying within a kind of cinematic world, yeah. rather than your kind of encounter, perhaps your personal yes. subjectivities
2: in the real. Or something. Yeah, Oops, in excuse a, me. The yeah, real, like real it's somewhere world. in between those spaces. Yeah, which is why I was thinking about found footage because the found footage work I've done is also related to like thinking about ways, like the East or you know, like different kinds of landscapes have appeared in film, but also the way that they've um, that we're attached to those landscapes. It's not just like a critique of this uh, landscape at all. It's more uh, a kind of like looking at that in-between space of of it, the idea that it hangs there somewhere between between that outside and that inside.
3: And, And how much do you think recognition, a deep recognition, is important? For Me, well, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, we were talking a little bit about this last night. Um, one of Shambhavi's um, found footage films, and I was talking about for me that there were uh, it would be a Saturday afternoon television film, yeah, and I'd see shots of the high seas or I'd yeah. see a shipwreck, or yeah. it was those sorts of um, and we we're talking about the place where you saw things like that, yeah. And I suppose using a landscape or using a, a reference, um, I'm just wondering how much that that second that recognition yeah. factor is important to you
2: well not so much the recognition but what you said is that you were just invited to put narrative onto that image and you know like and and the fact that you knew where you had seen it but you don't know what it is yeah right i think that's those are significant to me like so you look at the landscape and like i have no idea what this is this is strange it's otherworldly but you know what it reminds me of saturday night t- or saturday afternoon tv or somebody might say it reminds me of a chinese restaurant or <laughs> somebody might say it reminds me of you know um right like when uh, when we were talking you had this elaborate narrative which was lovely right it included like, sweets as well yeah big child <laughs> but um so so that i guess that's the other preoccupation i mean i don't know if that's going into another topic but another preoccupation with the work is sort of creating these kinds of fields of narrativity so it's not it's not just like you're giving the narrative but you're creating a space where all kinds of narratives can be suddenly become emergent um because you're in this cinema, half cinema, half real mm-hmm. space of uh, of place or whatever. You, you, you know what I mean? It's a landscape that's somewhere in between those two things. And so even if there isn't a narrative, maybe the audience is invited to start.
1: Um, do you think, um, do you think, you know, these elements are kind of a, that there are kind of taxonomy of cinema, cinema in, in some ways as I well, these so. narrative like pieces as well. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. I mean, you know, to come to you, Marie, in terms of, do you, I mean, do you, do you? I feel like you have a quite a different uh, motivation in, in your because, mm. you know, I guess one of the things we were talking talking about yesterday was this, you know, this the bre- breadth of this field in which we're working. I mean, yeah. we're all here under the the banner this time of experimenter, but you know, obviously that's a broad church of kinds of practices. Yeah. and you know, we were talking about. Um, artist moving image, you know, the kind of, you know, the catch-all artist moving image. There's some sense, you know, and I I guess I'm quite committed to that sense of trying to, trying to understand all of these things in some kind of continuity, in some times of continuity, but obviously they're coming from quite different um, Mm -hmm. positions in terms of, you know, obviously between, between, obviously we were working between art and film in some ways some things closer to, uh, sometimes closer to film, and sometimes closer to art, in yeah. some ways.
2: But I was going to say, Anne-Marie, your, your work is also very concerned with the field, right, in a way? The field? Yeah, like I mean, as in, like the art field. Like, I mean, you're working with artists. Um, I never ever
3: think of it that way. Okay. No, for me, it always starts off with a very emotional place, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and very narrative, I think, and very literary. I don't mean I write literature but I mean it's very word-based, very language-based and yeah I think sometimes the language um, becomes so fully formed I have to stop and start collecting imagery as well but I think my work comes from a constant behaviour if I could put it like that. once a week, at least, you know, I'm very regularly, filming things without necessarily having a reason for filming them. So I suppose I'm just, collecting a lot, yeah. old. If, or, or collecting perhaps is a, is a too smart a word. Uh, maybe um, looking
2: or researching, I suppose. <laughs>
3: researching, looking, collecting, um, and less so with audio, but I do do that a lot too. Record things, or I hear some things, so I go back to a place and record it. And these these things. Um, might come back a year later to be woven together uh, when I've had a big stretch of language to give them a place, Mm -hmm. if I can put it like Mm -hmm. that. So I suppose the three things are worked on and collected and then they circulate to a point where they swirl around enough that they give each other a place to be. But behind all of these um, collections or gatherings or lookings and listenings is definitely an emotional connection to either a person or a a story and so I sometimes wish I would think more about uh, reference to art and so on. Um, There's been very um, innocent references you know or or very, um, what's the word, Um, uh, when when something's by accident, coincidental. Uh, where people have thought I've referenced something directly and I have yeah. completely not known of that.
2: But I was thinking also about, uh, I mean, I totally see the emotional uh, uh, attachment and, and I see what you're saying, but I was also thinking, there's a des- am I right that there's a desire to bring these narratives, you know, like sort of bring them into circulation, right? These, the yes. Of, yeah. I'm sorry, yes. I think that's what I meant by like sort of concerning yourself with the field and that, you know, you 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 want to put it back in there for people to
3: yeah i think there can be for me there's a feeling of um something that hasn't been heard or i haven't heard it and i haven't seen it Mm -hmm. and i'm curious to share it with people Mm -hmm. so it's about coming alive in front of a group of people as well i think Mm
2: -hmm. so maybe for those who haven't seen as much of your work i was uh, thinking i was saying this yesterday too just thinking about the triangulation of art um, feminism and technology in your work which seems to really be that's that sort of like those three things keep coming together um, just leave. <laughs> do you have any thoughts about that or or if you would like to answer your own question about, about the world outside? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I suppose the simple um answer to that is that we we make our rule we make up our own rules in our work, and that's a be, that's a lovely thing to be able to do yeah. sometimes you can trip yourself up of course, but um. Um with regards to the feminism technology and, and what was it? Art. art, yeah. Um You can reject that that framing. <laughs> it just it was just my thought. I suppose it's partly my own attraction, my own geeky brain. Um interested in, in I suppose interested in the way that people have navigated trying to do something when they've had very limited resources. And um, Margaret Benyon, who is the um, person who's exp- who who I based the um, film on, her experiences, she she is called a pioneer, um, and I'm attracted to that sort of person who mm-hmm. who doesn't take an easy road by any means, and or, or but who is sort of hell bent on discovering something.
2: Yeah.
3: And um, in her case, it was a, a, a very peculiar medium. For, for her to choose, perhaps, in some ways. But I, I was really intrigued by the way she navigated it and uh, the way she may put a stamp on it for herself. And I think with technology and women, when, I mean, of course, we're... The, the histories are being overturned now, presently, and hopefully way into the future, but we're very aware of the fact that women have been um, written out of his, a lot of histories. Of
2: course.
3: I think mm-hmm. especially to do with... Um, technologies because it's not seen Mm -hmm. as a a field which, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know quite why but it's not seen as a field which women are Mm -hmm. um, supposed to um, excel in. (laughs) So I suppose there is partly the feeling of well there is a story you know there is another story. Um, Although obviously I'm making fictional things you know I'm I'm basing things on real life but they're, they're all it's still my point of view. How do you how,
1: how do you relate to the what I was asking Shapavi about in terms of um, making cinema, and uh, you know Shapavi's work in terms of um, a sense of a kind of um, <coughs> participation in that culture somehow? Do you do you feel any connection to that?
3: I think I've, I feel it as um, that the moving image is a particularly good medium for telling these kinds of stories because you can condense. And, and shift the time so simply so is a very but, simple. But do
1: you feel like a, in terms of a kind of field of reference for you? Would it be you know does, you, does the cinematic come into it or t- television or?
3: Um, I feel like I know very little about television. <laughs>
1: but in terms of your kind of absorbed, you know, because I think one of the things we're so also um, absorbed, you know, we almost kind of unconsciously absorb these things as as children. I mean, and, you know, so we have this kind of literacy about things, you know, and I think that really shapes our sense of storytelling, you know the way that we you know uh, collectively tell and and and, and receive stories stories, for example. so I feel feel that that's, that kind of seeps into it, that kind of seeps into us. I mean, it's partly, you know, maybe the reference, you know, your that the reference yeah. you were seeing in Sh- Shapavi's work. Yeah. You know, in a way, the, the, and those I kind of it's moments. It's also an emotional
2: so, space. I just wanted to throw in there. Like, yeah. More, it's, it's not just a reference, right? It's also like that, that feeling, that Sunday yeah. afternoon yeah. feeling. It's like a connection. <laughs>
3: Yes, I suppose on on the television, a film that would be put programmed in, it's mm-hmm. it's a, very much an old film. It's not yeah. a contemporary thing. Really? And you could all sit down together and watch it. Yeah. And I think that was the feeling, the family feeling. I mean, I don't have s- strong references I could mention, but for sure, I, I think I would say moving in as in film that I saw, I didn't live by, uh, I didn't have a cinema. I wasn't in a place where I could see cinema in this context until I was, Nineteen or something. Right. So um, it was at school school hall and projected and very rusticated. Right. <laughs> okay. But that's 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 the actual um, space of seeing cinema with other people. I mean, obviously I saw stuff on television. Uh, yeah. Um, but I would say as much for me as music and literature and reading is as much as as strong as the um, films.
1: Sure. Sure. And you counted things at like art school because I guess one of the other differences we talked about with both of you yesterday mm-hmm. was that Shepard, you went to film school and you went you to went to art school. school.
2: Yeah. I should say though but, I went to film school, but it, it was, wasn't film school, film school. Yeah, it was a kind that's of that's right, it was a kind of yeah, it was an interdisciplinary. Yeah, but it was my concentration was in film and video, but it was I think more like art school.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: but but I was in the film department, so I wasn't doing like studio art that like kind of thing.
1: Yeah, sure.
2: I think
3: material
2: sense comes from,
3: yeah, you know, you, um, the way that you're using material, the way that I'm using material, is probably not so dissimilar. It's just that the way that you talk about it in art school is different to the way you talk, yes. might talk about it in a. Yeah. And obviously, the technical tuition that you have would lead you towards certain. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Ways to approach solving a problem, for example. Yeah. If we look at making work as problem-solving, which I often do. Sure. Um,
1: So why do you make films as (laughs) opposed to, well, I mean, that seems like an obvious thing, but I I think for you that has a kind of interdisciplinary practice, why do some things become films and other things become, you know, other things, sculptures and music Mm -hmm. and prints?
3: Yeah, perhaps it, it, I feel there's a very you can you can create a very strong punch. Uh, perhaps music does it too, but um, I'm I'm not a I'm more confident to make a, a film by myself than I am to make a piece of music by myself. So perhaps for me, musical musical um, expression is a much more sociable, as in collective sociable endeavour. I don't have quite the confidence to to do that alone whereas I do have more confidence to to um, create a film, although I do work with people too, but yeah, perhaps that's the way, perhaps it's the way you feel you can confidently carry something out and express your ideas in a way that seems satisfactory. Does that seem
1: Yeah. wrong? No, really cool? Do you want to try and um, talk a little bit
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: A bit more about your, your initial question as well about the, yeah. about the difference between the world in your work. It's like, because I feel like I feel there's like, a very strong, I have a very strong sense of a world in your work, actually. Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, you Maybe know. you should answer the question, <laughs> but
1: I'm not going to give you any clues.
3: <laughs> I don't think they're so different for me. Um, I think obviously I've made the rules up, and so I can shift time around, and I can point things certain ways. But I don't feel it's so different. Um, I, well, I mean,
1: do you want to talk a little bit about uh, a bit
3: more about and under that,
1: uh, under you know, the clip, the film that.
3: So the. The the clip that we saw is, is, is um, obviously the ending of something, but it's, um, for me there's a rhythm flowing through this, which is um, harnessing power, and the different ways that power is harnessed. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious with the police horses, mm-hmm. that very intimidating presence, although it's not such an intimidating um, way that it's seen there. And then the two women and mind, power, um, weather, Constrictions and so on, um, but it but it's
1: but all of that's in a service. All of that is in the service of, of, of something. I think in, in in that work as well, which I feel is about um, you know kind of giving voice, you know kind of giving voice, um, and and a kind of and, and giving voice to uh, to people and kind of positions that maybe aren't so represented in the world in, in this way. Yeah. I mean.
2: I, I wanted to say like in related in relation to all this, like the giving of power, I thought that in that clip, there was something really interesting about the sound of the hooves and what you did with the, because it, it almost felt like taking away a little bit of their power <laughs> because it sort of starts with this, you know, like these horses and everything, but then you start hearing this, and it reminded me of the other installation of yours with the um, people walking up and down where you kind of hear that, but this it just sort of becomes musical and kind of falls apart in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sort of there's a shot of the boot of the policeman, but. I don't know. There was there was something kind of playful, and, and and I don't know if that if that was what you were trying to do. No, there certainly is a playful element. It's yeah. it's also because it's um, the the
3: voiceover at that point. She's she's actually talking about arranging her shelves, mm-hmm. and to me, this sort of <laughs> arrangement of the police horses, right. I had to arrange them, and there, there was definitely a playful uh, yeah. link to that,
2: I agree. And do you think that there was a, a, like a, an attempt to take power away from them by sort of like, oh, was I just? Yeah, no, for
3: sure. I think the, everybody's waiting, or, or for me this was a moment of everybody waiting for something. You're not quite sure what, whether it's the weather to clear up mm-hmm. or whether it's for the horses to say, right, march. Um, there's a, the, the suspense of, of, a, of a waiting period mm-hmm. is where, you're, where the, the harnessing of the power sort of becomes, where well, it slips between two things, so the horses have got their Right. Constriction, very, very physically, mm-hmm. but the 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 police have become a different sort of power, mm-hmm. and then when they're in action, it shifts again, mm-hmm. and it's the same for the for the women. So I suppose there was a suspenseful lull, yeah. and everything calming down. But yes, to go back to Ben's point, yeah, very much so. That the whole film was uh, to give voice to to two women who. Um, Although it is their own um, voices and their own story, their own um, way that they wanted to tell things. um, I I have to say I wrote the the script Mm. um, and that was based on interviews. So there might be phrases, but I've definitely controlled all of that.
1: Oh, really? So, well, so did, you, did, you add to, did you add to it, or you there kind were a of few re- it? so they rea- re so did they kind of reenact their yeah, own
3: yeah. words? Mm. Oh, and a lot of it came from um, uh, just um, uh, reading and research that I'd written. So they were even reading; they were even reciting not oh. their own words, but it was very much um, their, a point of view which they agreed with, because I said, "Don't read anything you don't agree with." Oh. That was my one direction. Um, but uh, in earlier on in the film, both women do tell more about their personal stories..
2: Yeah.
3: And that was what I wanted to give voice to, um, not necessarily um, not necessarily heroic sto- uh, moments, but very quiet, very um, lived uh, yeah. experiences.
1: I, I feel there's kind of a utopianism to
3: it in a way that
1: like, and the, the, to me, now I'm going to give you my answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel that, um, that you know, the kind of rhythm, all the things you're talking about, restrained power and the kind of, uh, the, the rhythms of things to me are about, um, uh, I think it's like, it feels to me like a kind of tribute to, it's like a tribute yeah, to quiet power that. in a way, mm-hmm. that film, you know, and I feel, I feel in a way it's about, um, it's about those women's kind of agency, agency in the world. And perhaps like that overlooked, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a true, yeah, it's, it feels very much like that, that it, that it's, um, that they are, there's a, there's a power, there's a power to them that feels, you know, restrained. Um, but it's very, it builds very much, you know, and it's a shame people here haven't, don't get a chance to see the whole film, because yeah. it's really amazing, and, and, and it's very accumulative as well. Um,
3: is so that I, th- fair... I agree with your statement. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with the analysis. I suppose we could talk about senses as well, mm-hmm. um, just to sort of slightly shift uh, direction. But um, Do you want to talk about the sense? When I've been watching your clip, Shambhavi, um, I was very aware of, of um, what I, would, what I would call heightened senses, especially in the film that you're going to show today.
2: Right.
3: I don't know if you'd like to, if that opens it out for you at
2: all. Just talking about the senses. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So you'd mentioned, you used the word immersive yesterday when we were talking, and that is a big thing. I mean, I could talk about something else related to that, which is which was my sort of, because I've been doing installation and other kinds of work, right? And I'm really coming at it from Cinema, because that's my preoccupation, obsession, whatever. That's my space, and any work I do feels very related to. It feels like making a film in some way to me, and and then I started to I really become conscious of what I felt was making a film because I was you know doing other things like like installation, um, and it did. One of the things that um, really s- sticks with me through all of these things is this idea of narrative as a kind of surplus. Of the film experience um, so I think this the senses, this heightened this immersiveness is is all in service of that, like creating that field in mm-hmm. which like narrative becomes emergent, so you know sa- like and I'm also just thinking of you know like little sounds, little exchanges, you said micro narratives, I feel like that's really significant too um, but yeah, I feel like. I feel like I'm trying to use sound and image and everything in, in a way that brings us to that space in a in a kind of, through the senses, you know, not, not, which is why I don't need people to like know what, like these references or something like that. It's actually at a much more affect, I mean, for me too, like I'm also attracted to those images because of attachments are formed through cinema. And so bringing that back into the experience but not just in film, but even in other media.
3: Um, I got, can, I, uh,
1: can, I, can I sort of leading yeah. on from that? For a kind of question for you both about how, about maybe process, and about how what kind of part um, intuition plays, in things. Especially, I mean, I guess yes. sort of essentially in terms of in, in terms of in terms of how how a film comes into being. You know, what's your, what's your kind of process of planning versus planning versus uh, intu- intuition. Yeah. And and chance. You wanna I, no, no.
2: I was thinking about your work. again yesterday we were talking about this, but but this research thing. I don't know. I really I, I I'm so interested in this in this idea of, of art practice as research. I mean I think it's really interesting when you start thinking of it like that. But I wanted you to say because I mean it's so it's so much there in your work, you know, and what that means
3: so to link the two points then I would say um, yes, uh, i I for this film, which I showed a clip of now and for the one which I showed on Friday, research played a big part in both of them, not always very obviously, I think, especially for and under that um but my process is to. To, I suppose, gather an awful lot of uh, research and, and notes and write an awful lot, and then um, in the um, uh, um, A Blemish Code, which we showed on Friday, for that one, the approach was to, I suppose, um, find a, an emotional path through research. Mm. So I don't want to literally show it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I need to honour the um, the thorough knowledge and the thorough depth of the woman whose experience it's based on. So there's a need to honour the people, for me anyway, there's a need to honour the people yeah. that you're basing your, your work on, mm-hmm. but without wanting to um, literally follow uh, the written word. Yeah. So I suppose it's like striking a balance between that through musical elements or Mm -hmm. visual elements Mm -hmm. Um, and for and under that um, the process was it's kind of like collage in a way once I'd got my so the script was very important and I felt that when I had the as I say I I interviewed the the, um, two women did an awful lot of reading and research um, about retirement and Um, psychological um, shifts that can happen to people through retirement and even a little bit, quite a lot, far too much research on police horses as well (laughs) and the behavior of them um, and the way that they're treated. Um, So all of these things formed into a script along with a a lot of, I suppose, quite poetic language, quite uh, a language that's not rooted in dialogue. It's very much a written word um, and the way that it flows. And then once I had this script form, um, my scripts are just what people say. So I don't know how, I've never written a script that's got direction in it. So then it's a question of... Um,
2: that's interesting, it's all dialogue.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to time it in a very funny way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know the, the time that each page takes, but it's there's bits missing. And then um, the audio uh, is recorded and then I know uh, how to work around that. So I have to have one thing that's sort of, for me, that's the process.
1: Yeah, Oh, that's interesting.
3: And I had a, in terms of visual, there's a a list of things I want to capture, and some things very specific. The police horses is a good example of, um, there's very little leeway. You're given three hours and you're given a place even. You don't get to choose, I didn't get to choose the place. And so some things are very tightly structured and other things are far more loosely structured. Um, and then the uh, visuals weave around the sound.
1: How does that relate to the way that you worked?
2: Yeah. Um, so I keep coming back to found footage, even though I'm, it's not the only way I work. But I feel like that kind of really, um, it's one of the, for instance, one of the reasons why I shoot film is that I like I like the distance of of shooting something and then it comes back and I'm like oh <laughs> you know where where with video it's just too immediate for me mm-hmm. like and and I don't have that distance that I feel with found footage and so which is which, it's the only reason I shoot film because I kind of need that that kind of space of looking at something and and then and then finding moments and interesting things in it um but with the found footage it's obvious i've worked with you know like archives that i had already had very strong uh, feelings about um and so i wanted to go back in there but then you know often i'll i'll start with something like that like i just have a feeling about it and kind of go in there and obsess um but then i find interesting when i start thinking about it i find and so so with the with the two found footage films that i made back to back they were really interesting to me because one was made from uh, the backdrops from kung fu films from the 60s, 70s. And another one was from an Indian um, mythological TV series that was really popular. But they were both made around the same time. And historically, they were they were sort of super orientalist, in a way. But they were also made with the idea of imagining um, an idealized past that had obviously that was like pre-colonial, like an idealized pre-colonial past, but then they were drawing from these very colonialist images and then reproducing them, in in the late '70s or, or uh, early '70s, late '70s, just at a moment when, like the East was starting to become global or something like that. So so suddenly, you know, so so I think the research for me sometimes is like that. Like I'll go to something and get really interested in it for other reasons, and then when I dig, I start to find. You know how it's interesting, and then it, and then you know that kind of factors in. Um, and I would say the same. I mean, when I think of night noon, I feel like um, actually it started with with night noon. I was uh, I watched I rewatched uh, Vida Secas, You know the film, mm-hmm. the Cinema Novo Brazilian film that has a dog and a parrot in it. Oh, okay. do you know do you know the film i'm talking about i'm not sure i do i don't know Vida Secas, It's called. anyway it's a it's a sort of famous cinema novo, and it's 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 very stark it's shot in the brazilian northeastern area of brazil and um there's this a uh, very poor family and you know like they have a dog and, a and they have to literally figure out what to do like whether they should eat the you know animals so it's it's a very stark film but the thing that that's that struck me was not the film so much as this history because the film uh screened at Cannes the year after it was made and uh because it was a a cinema novo there was all this like talk about whether the brazilians had like harmed the animals or whatever (laughs) Right? so there was some French actress who was like no you know what did you what did you do with the dog did you really kill the par you know and so they had to produce the dog at the festival <laughs> and then the dog became like the the star of the festival and I thought this is so interesting like this idea first of like you know who you know whose humanity are we questioning and then the idea of like bringing the dog as the as the star you know making the dog the star um, so this idea, just it was it was the film. I love the film, but it was this the story, the sort of side story that kept kind of going in my head about what what do we think of as natural, unnatural behavior or even phenomena? As and and then and then I'd anyway been you know I'd been thinking about backdrops with my found footage work. So then then starting to think about these California backdrops as kind of hovering between some kind of cinema space and real space. So not not quite real, you know. Um, so it's something like that, like, you know, some, some idea will get stuck in the story, it becomes so interesting, and then you start to think about why it's interesting and start piecing it together. So this, I'll just say about the piece that we're going to watch, or going to show this afternoon, um, it's about airplane space, right? It's about the space, spaces and uh, like the sensation of being in an airplane. Um, and I became interested in that actually first, because I was thinking, you know, I think about movie theaters a lot and just the sociality of movie theaters um, and this idea of containment and darkness and sort of arrest. Um, and then we were talking about this a little bit, also the idea that terror has somehow become part of, you know, because of the mass shootings and this idea that terror is also somehow related in this space. and the. I started thinking about airplanes because at first I thought, oh, airplanes are kind of space that are sim- similar. It's like there's containment, there's darkness, there's arrest, there's actually moving image, constantly, and there's terror. Um, so that that's the first was my first entry point into that. Like I started to want to just think, and and I want to think not. I want to keep thinking about this, like spaces that are like that, where you have darkness, containment arrest terror. And, and you can think of prisons. I mean, there's all kinds of spaces that seem to have that weird mix of um, sensations, thinking about the senses. So, and then it kind of expanded out of there. Mm.
1: And do you, script, do, do you work with scripts?
2: So for this, the recent one, yeah. yes. I mean, yeah, how much I script, yeah. yeah, like with all dialogue and everything. Um, But of course, you know, they don't speak the dialogue. It's all subtitled, but there's no actual. And that's because I, you know, so that's another whole thing. Because I've never, this is the first time I've worked with human actors. But I've worked with protagonism a lot. Like it's, you know, protagonism of animals, landscapes, backgrounds, objects. Um, And then I was thinking. Well, what do we do with the? If I'm gonna put them, I don't want them to just sit there in the middle of the frame and like suck up (laughs) energy, right? Uh, Which is what humans tend to do, like um, in film. So then, I thought it's interesting to sort of take like the voice and the body and the backdrop, just kind of deconstruct that and kind of break it open. Um, So you you have a kind of non, um, you kind of have a human character that's not what is the word, um, like human actors in films tend to be um, whole, right, like the agents of narrative and whatnot, so you sort of sort of open them up a little bit.
3: I was just thinking there, um, when you said this deconstruction, about one of the, to go back to a previous point you made, Ben, about why, why would you, we would choose moving image as opposed to say a piece of music or, and I think there is something about um, uh, having a, a material substance that you can, Share very easily, and you can send away and share. And for me, that's mm. um, like, for example, if we if we say human voice and music, um, there's a very powerful live thing that can happen, which can only happen in a room in a moment. Uh, I'm not talking about recorded music. I'm talking yeah. about a very sort of performative thing. Sure. And I think um, I'm really interested in that space for certain ideas. But I think when you want to unfold a fairly complex um, idea I have, I like, I love this idea that you have, you can put it in this form which you can then send to, to a group of people uh, anywhere in the world and share very easily. And I think that's one of the things that definitely attracts me. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you relate to that at all. Just
2: the mechanical performance.
3: <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, you can send a film. Yeah. You know, without sending yourself. Yeah, it'll do the performance mechanically. So, but it's all contained in this.
1: This sort of. So do you feel quite? Um, do you feel that it's quite flexible in terms of? Um, do you feel like it's quite it's sort of? It becomes quite sort of hermetic in a way, that once you finish the film, it can kind of travel. Mm-hmm. It, it it can kind of travel to di- in different contexts and, yeah. and and rescale in different ways. I mean, do you feel quite relaxed about about that, you know, as opposed to like when you're making a gallery show and you think very much. Yes. Kind of spa- spatially. I mean, so do you think that that's actually a you know very a subconscious thing that you do sometimes? Think this is this is something that could rescale and.
3: Definitely, absolutely. And for and under that, I know you weren't there, Ben, but when we showed it first, it was in the cinema in Glasgow called the GFT. And um, you might have noticed that the soundtrack fades to silence and um, because of the musical elements throughout it and because one of the ideas running through it was the, the um, the women, although they're physically, materially, much, much older and coming to an end at some point, mm-hmm. the idea was that they don't finish, they don't end. And so um, there were no credits in the screening. And the, um, the sound sort of followed, and a sort of false ending started. And then um, w- we played, we, had a, we played live music. And this end, then the lights came up, and so we had sort of a protracted ending device and um after sort of 20 minutes or so it was just supposed to just stop and that would be it there were no formal finalizing right. what happened was um the um projectionist i think forgot to switch on the buttons and so uh the screen was supposed to be forgotten at this point the focus was meant to be on the live musical performance but the um there's a symbol that pops up to do with your DVD, and it's something yeah, 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 like a sort like little sign around. like that. And it started floating across. Yeah. But one of the film programmers said to me afterwards, he said, that was a beautiful moment of complete dislocation. <laughs> so he'd already shifted. So yeah, certainly yeah, we've already, play- with and under that, it certainly got played with. And the idea was to play with it a bit further.
1: Yeah,
3: I do right. like the idea that you can, when you've got a a, fi- a form that's contained, you can you can shift its um, introduction and ending.
1: Yeah, do you agree with that Shep? Mm-hmm.
3: With uh, film's
1: like this idea of um, distribution
0: yeah, or circulation? Of, yeah, yeah,
1: the... yeah, that you feel relaxed about this kind of with um, your films yeah. being kind of but means rescaled also... mm-hmm. and recontextualized mm-hmm. in yeah. different situations. No, I like it. it. Yeah, yeah,
2: I like agree. it because for me it's about recirculating, so I mean that actually is richer as a space where when more kinds of ways in which people but conversely i also think it's interesting we're talking about this too like working in installation or working through spaces because i'm interested in space and place and like this kind of construction it's also really interesting the other way where you actually start to create the space in which the moving image exists i mean it doesn't circulate that's that's a disadvantage right you don't have the the benefit of Multiple contexts, and it becomes very sort of this one spot. Yeah. But it's interesting to, you know, when when you're thinking about how things are received, you use you you have a chance to actually work through spectatorship and like how people will move in mm-hmm. relation to you know where you put the sound and where they'll stand and you know this where in movie theaters of course all that is contingent on the particular movie theater. Yeah, but but the, but it tends to be in you know one way.
1: Right. Well, that seems a good place to stop, um, oh, and so, so we can all rush to um, NFT three to see how we feel in the theatre there. So thank you all for coming, and join me in thanking Chef Happy Cole and Amory Copster.
0: Planning for your next trip.